This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. This week, it's time for the Zoomer Year in Review. I'll be joined by CARP Vice Presidents Susan Eng and Ross Mayotte for a look at what they accomplished and what's on the agenda for 2013. And maybe your 2013 agenda involves doing some volunteer work. I can vouch to other people thinking of it that you really do get an awful lot back. That's volunteer Sharon Nickel, and she wants to recruit you to work with her in the Healing Beyond the Body program at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center. It's a unique opportunity for meaningful work that goes well beyond delivering cookies or running the gift shop. Stay tuned to learn more about the special training that will help you make a difference by working directly with patients and their families. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. How often do your kids visit? If it's not often enough, maybe you should move to China. A new law mandates that children must visit their elderly parents often or the elders can take them to court. The traditional Chinese extended family home is in decline because of the country's rapid development. Many of China's elderly are now neglected and living in poor conditions. The law, however, does not specifically state how frequently these visits must occur. According to Health Canada, drug makers can't always be trusted to voluntarily report medication shortages. The warning, which came out in newly released documents, was actually issued last year before Health Minister Leona Gluka instructed the industry to create a voluntary system informing doctors and pharmacists of shortfalls. Bureaucrats cautioned that a voluntary approach was susceptible to bad company behavior since manufacturers would not be punished for failing to report. Drug shortages have become increasingly common in recent years and have left Canadians without vital medications, including chemotherapy drugs and antibiotics. Critics say the best way to guarantee a reliable drug supply is for Ottawa to force manufacturers to give notice of production gaps. Actor Jack Klugman passed away on Christmas Eve. He's best known for playing sloppy sports writer Oscar Madison on TV's The Odd Couple and Quincy on Quincy M.E. But he also leaves a little-known legacy as an advocate. In the early 80s, Klugman spoke to the U.S. Congress to promote the Orphan Drug Act, a bill that encouraged doctors and scientists to develop treatments for Tourette syndrome, ALS, cystic fibrosis, and other rare diseases. He took this on because his brother, Morris Klugman, suffered from a rare form of cancer. The Orphan Drug Act was passed by the House, 
but shot down in the Senate. So Klugman and his brother wrote an episode of Quincy M.E. in which Quincy confronts a recalcitrant senator in his office and demands that he look out the window. The senator sees a huge crowd gathered with signs that read, We Want the Orphan Drug Act, and relents. To shoot the scene, the show's producers hired 500 extras who really did suffer from rare diseases. Orrin Hatch, the real-life senator who was blocking the bill, backed down, and the Orphan Drug Act was passed in 1983. And finally, is getting more exercise one of your New Year's resolutions? Well, maybe instead of lacing up your shoes and taking a few steps forward, you should take a few steps back. A new study finds that running backwards can burn twice the calories of running normally. Running backwards is apparently also great for people with aching joints because it lowers impact, and it can help with balance. Studies have shown that backward walking can help Parkinson's patients stay on their feet. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The new year is always a good time to take stock and plan ahead. What were the top Zoomer issues in 2012? How much progress did we make, and what are the priorities for 2013? I'm here with Susan Eng, CARP's VP of Advocacy, and Ross Mayotte, VP Community. It was a year entirely focused on our retirement security. It's not solved by any means whatsoever. And in the background has been a pretty neglected aspect that's important to us, and that is health care. You know, there's tinkering around the edges. Uh, the Ontario government recently announced that they're going to uh, re-announce, actually, mm. what they said in the budget, that they were going to allocate more money to home care and to doctor's visits, home visits, and so on. But really, the larger visioning exercise and design exercise with health care, it was left unattended. Okay. Ross, uh, I think probably when it comes to membership and the chapters, things are maybe a little more clear-cut. Well, we had a really terrific year. Now we're up to 56 chapters. We launched 11 new chapters this year. And we fortified our West Coast uh, network with seven chapters uh, on the West Coast. And we've got just a ton of really great community leaders stepping up to get involved in our chapters. Now, having these people in place, what kind of things does that allow you to do and to take part in that couldn't have done beforehand? Well, I think it gives us, and, and, and I'd like to think it gives Susan a broader voice and a broader reach where we've got people on the ground from St. John's to Victoria supporting the advocacy priorities. That's a, that's a key thing of what the chapters are there to do, to be on the ground uh, connecting with MPs, MLAs, and the media to say this is what uh, CARP's after. So what are you advocating? When we talk about some of the negative things that the government has done, such as changing the age, raising the age of eligibility for old age security, that's something we're going to constantly push back on and ask the government at least to protect the people who are going to be the worst hurt by it. What are the priorities in terms of health care? 
they're vast. And so we're going to take off the chunks that we can actually uh, grapple with. In fact, the healthcare system as it presents now, when we're dealing with acute care, it seems to do you know, fairly well. Most people have very little to complain about when we're talking about, you know, if you have a heart attack, if you have a stroke, the system seems to be able to deal with your emergency. It's after you get back from the hospital and you have to recover or you have to deal with a chronic disease, um, if you have multiple conditions. And the medical system at that point starts to step back and the family has to step in. And that's where we find that people are not well supported in getting through the day, getting through the week, the month, and so on. And what we're looking for are ways, different aspects, the medical system on one hand, housing, funding, home care, all of these different aspects have to come together so that the average individual can deal with these challenges. Ross, anything else heading into 2013? Well, heading into 2013, one of the things that our chapters will be involved in is helping to bring together the needs of older workers and employers in their communities. We're working with a group now, and that will be rolled out in the new year in terms of bringing that match, older workers who have been displaced because the manufacturing jobs have been lost in their community, or they're not ready to uh, drop their skills altogether. Maybe they want part-time work or occasional work or contract work. So that's gonna be a big, very active, very engaged aspect of going forward. It's interesting, you know, uh, both here and in the U.S., older workers seem to have done pretty well during the tough times that we've seen lately. There have been some months where almost all the new jobs went to older workers. You're right about that, and there are two, there's some good and some bad reasons. The good reason is that many times uh, new businesses or expansions are looking for people who can hit the ground running. So they're going to look for an experienced person, and that's a good thing. The negative is that some of these new jobs are pretty precarious. They don't have any advancement opportunities, they're not well paid, and they're not permanent. Do you see big hurdles? Do you think that older workers are becoming more accepted in the workforce? Well, yes and no, again, um, as you see more and more older workers who are not retiring when they were expected to or coming back into the workforce, and you get a critical mass of colleagues in the workplace, I think you could change the dynamic. However, if you are uh, part of a minority in the workplace, the ageism that's in our society is going to permeate the workplace, and so we do have to watch for that. That's our challenge. That's exactly why we're working with other groups to overcome some of those stereotypes and some of those barriers. Okay, well, we look forward to hearing more details in 2013. Ross and Susan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks Thank very you. much. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Finding the right volunteer work can be as complicated as landing your dream job. After a quick break, we'll return with a look at a special opportunity to work on the front lines of cancer treatment. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. It's a well-known fact about the Zoomer demographic. When it comes to volunteering, we lead the nation. 
And if finding a meaningful and rewarding volunteer job is on your to-do list for 2013, the Princess Margaret Cancer Center wants you. The program is called Healing Beyond the Body, and the job goes well beyond the usual juice and cookie delivery. I sat down with Dara Modal, who runs the program, and Sharon Nickel, a three-year volunteer. What makes this program different from other types of volunteering at Princess Margaret and at other hospitals? It's a role in which volunteers are actually on their own, um, connecting with patients throughout the hospital, whether it be in the clinics, the treatment areas, the inpatient units, and supporting patients and families any way they can. So it's a lot of direct contact, and that is quite different than most other volunteer roles in any hospital setting. Sharon, how long have you been volunteering? And give us a sense of the kinds of things that you do. I've been volunteering for three years, a little over three years now. I am in clinics, two different clinics on a Wednesday. My role is to circulate and speak to people and see how they're doing, if there's anything that I can do to provide information or uh, direction or help with anything. Sometimes I'm just there as a presence. Um, if people are very upset about something, I may just sit with them for a while. I may provide Kleenex and, and a drink of water or something, but just to listen and to be there with them. How do you approach them? It's one of the things that people often say, you know, I don't know what to say to a person in that situation. My approach is always very casual. It's just, good morning, my name's Sharon. I'm the volunteer here on Wednesday mornings. How are, how are you doing today? Or how are you folks? Because usually they're with someone else. And sometimes we chat about the weather or their drive to get in there, whether it was good or bad, or where, how far did they have to come. And then you can ask... Have you been here before? Is this a new clinic to you? Or are you here for the first time? Or if it's someone who's been there for a long time, then uh, it's a little bit easier because they're accustomed to the routine. And presumably from there it can get to some things that are much more profound and difficult to discuss. That's right. And sometimes that comes from the patient themselves or sometimes it comes from the person with them that says, oh, it's been a really rough month. And then you can go into it and say, what, what's been happening? You know, is, is there something different? Is there anything that you need at home? Do you need more supports in the community? You're going to be sure to tell the doctor all these things that you're now telling me, etc., so that you're just supporting and, and reaffirming that they're um, doing the right thing by being there and, and getting the help they need. Dara, what kind of training do the volunteers get in order to be able to do this the right way? All volunteers, uh, regardless of their role, go through a basic orientation at the hospital. That includes things like confidentiality and infection control policies. And then the specialized training that they do um, in HBB with myself and my colleague, the HBB staff, we do a lot of um, active communication skills training, which could include um, scenarios and role playing. After that, all volunteers, um, HPV volunteers, they would go on a tour of the hospital, and they also um, get an experience to shadow more experienced volunteers, uh, so that way we're not just sort of throwing them in there. So it's a, probably about 15 hours of training before they're actually there on their own in a clinic. And what kind of a time commitment are you looking for from new volunteers? We look for a minimum of a year. 
especially at the beginning, we just asked for one three-hour shift per week. Um, some volunteers like Sharon do two shifts in two different areas, so it's more like six hours a week. Uh, but that, that's really, that's the minimum requirement is three hours per week. Now, uh, we're heading into the winter. A lot of Zoomers who are normally the prime target for people who want to recruit volunteers will be going away for a certain chunk of time. Is that a problem? No. Staying with us over time is more important. We certainly are very flexible and allow for vacation and stuff like that. So that's not an issue. But if somebody's going to be gone for most of the winter... Well, no. If they're going to be gone for, let's say, six months out of the year, that's not going to work. But if they're gone for six to eight weeks, that's something we can work with. One of the things that I hear from people a lot is the difficulty of, of finding really meaningful volunteer work. Sharon, obviously you this means a lot to you if you're doing it six hours a week. <laughs> it, it does, and I find it, uh, it really suits what I like to do, which is to be able to interact with people and talk to people without feeling that I have other jobs that I have to do. So if I find someone who is very upset that I feel I want to sit and stay with, I don't feel as if I'm neglecting some other part of the of the volunteer job. I don't have a specific thing that I have to do. I don't have to weigh every patient as they come in, or I don't have to ensure that I have delivered cookies and juice everywhere. I can focus on that one person if that's what they need. I like the training. I like the support there is for volunteers. I like the amount of patient contact. I can vouch to other people thinking of it that you really do get an awful lot back. You meet some wonderful people. Other volunteers as well as... Uh... Other, other volunteers, but also some wonderful patients that are just inspiring, that make you feel uh, very, very good about being there. Okay, ladies, thank you very much and all the best for 2013. Thank, thank you. you thank you very much for having us. Healing Beyond the Body is looking for 100 new volunteers. There's a special need for people who speak other languages, including Mandarin, Cantonese, Vietnamese, Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. In just a moment, we'll return with a tribute to some of the great artists we said goodbye to in 2012. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. It's time now for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, see the 1953 Pulitzer Prize-winning play Picnic. It stars Mayor Winningham, Sebastian Stan, Maggie Grace, and the Academy Award-winning Ellen Burstyn in a story about a drifter who changes everything when he arrives in a small town. Picnic is in previews at the American Airlines Theater. To Washington, D.C., where there's still time to catch an exhibit on 50 years of James Bond films and their villains. This is the end. Exquisitely evil 50 years of Bond villains is at the International Spy Museum. To London, England, see a retrospective of 20th century landscape photographer Ansel Adams. The exhibition focuses on the photographer's lifelong fascination with water features. It's at the Royal Museum's Greenwich. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. On this, our last episode of the year, we'd like to remember some of the great artists who passed away in 2012. Etta James, Dave Brubeck, Whitney Houston, Earl Scruggs, Levon Helm, 
Davy Jones, Donna Summer, Ravi Shankar, Robin Gibb, and Andy Williams. Although these people are no longer with us, they have left behind a legacy of amazing music. At last, my love has come along. That was a montage of some of the great artists we said goodbye to in 2012. And that brings us to the end of today's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. We'll see you back here next Sunday in 2013. Until then, Happy New Year to you and your loved ones. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandriel. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.